it's Jason Rogers here and in this video I want to talk to you about one of the questions I've received most recently from you, the audience. Thank you so much for asking those questions by the way and feel free to share more questions if you have them in the comments either now or at the end of this video. But I want to talk to you in this one about due diligence, things to look for, things we look for, things to be wary of. We're speaking specifically about due diligence when you are looking to either buy real estate cash flowing real estate or you're looking to buy a small to mid-sized business. What should you be looking for? And of course, of course, I start by saying that you should consult with legal and financial and industry expert professionals during your due diligence process. Do not use this video alone as the end all be all checklist for due diligence. This is why you build the dream team. This is why you want to bring on a great accountant, a great lawyer, a great industry expert or two onto your team before, before you make offers on potential businesses or cash flowing real estate so that you have that team that can assist you in due diligence. But notwithstanding, what are the things you want to be looking for? Firstly, I would look to see how involved is the owner of the business in day-to-day -day operations. And I'll give you a quick story. We actually made an offer of a, for a business down in the state of Florida about a week and a half ago as of the time of recording this video. At the time, we thought it was a great business. We were extremely excited. We made an offer. It was a seven-figure business and we immediately entered into due diligence. And on our very first call, I'll never forget this call. On our very first call, it lasted about 75 minutes. I asked about 15 different questions of the business owner who was the operator, the individual who was overseeing operations, and we quickly ascertained that this owner was absolutely instrumental, absolutely instrumental in the day-to-day -day operations of this business. It would be like going to an auto dealership and saying, I wanna buy that truck right there, and they say, okay, great, it's $40,000, and you say, sure thing, you know, let's make a deal. And right when they're about to throw you the keys, the owner of the dealership goes up to you and says, hey, by the way, I wanted to let you know, that truck that you're about to buy, it doesn't come with a transmission. And of course, if somebody was about to sell you a truck and it didn't come with a transmission, you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy it, right? Or you'd say, okay, I'll buy it for 20,000 and I'll go down to a local mechanic and have him throw in a new transmission, but I'm not paying the full 40, right? And so what happens with an owner who's super involved in day-to-day -day operations is they like the transmission. They are shifting the business through the gears. And without that owner, without that, op that operator, the business is basically like a vehicle without a transmission. You know, it has the right materials or the right employees and the right contracts, but it lacks the thing that moves all of those pieces in place. It lacks a transmission. So that would be the first thing I would really, really, really share with you to watch out for. Another thing you're going to want to watch out for in due diligence is customer concentration. Essentially what this means is you want to ascertain and you want to understand what percentage of revenue your biggest customers or the, the biggest customers of this business or this real estate that you're looking to buy, what percentage of revenue do individual customers contribute to top line revenue? And as you can imagine, you want a lot of distribution, you want a lot of variance, you want a lot of customers inputting 1% of the total revenue as opposed to one customer contributing, say, 20 or 30 or 50%. That's the kind of thing that can, that can scare you because what happens if you buy a business and it has one key customer that 
generates 50% of the revenue. And then what happens if that business changes ownership or changes management? And what if that new management comes in and says, you know what, we already have a company that does that, that we prefer to use. There goes your revenue, there goes your cash flow, there goes your earnings, there goes the value of that business. So you really want to watch out for customer concentration and notably you prefer a business or cash flowing real estate that has a lot of different customers, a lot of different tenants, a lot of different sources of cash flow and of revenue so that you aren't too reliant on any one generator, if you will. Another thing you really want to analyze of course are the financials. You want to try to ascertain how stable are the earnings. How stable are the earnings? And this means you're gonna be probably with your accountant going through the last three year tax returns, the last three year P&Ls, you know, the, the statement of cash flows, the balance sheets, and what you're looking to see is, is this a stable business as far as its financials? What is the likelihood that the earnings that this business earned last year will continue next year? Usually businesses that have very high likelihoods of consistent earnings trade at higher multiples. You may pay three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 times earnings, especially on the higher end, if the business has a very high likelihood of continuing to generate those earnings in the future. This is why real estate, by and large, trades at higher multiples. It's also because real estate is a hard asset. But for a business that has less certainty in regards to the future earnings of the business, you're probably gonna buy that business at two or maybe three times earnings. It's gonna be cheaper. Again, because there's less certainty that those earnings are gonna carry out into the future. But what you're really looking for is a business that's trading at a fairly low multiple, say two or three times earnings, but that you feel has a very high likelihood of continuing to generate those earnings into the future. That's the best of both worlds and that's really what you're looking for as the acquisitions entrepreneur. Ultimately, then I would say you're also, of course, looking to see how happy the current customers are with the business or the, you know, if it's tenants in the, in the case of real estate, are these happy tenants? Are these happy customers? Are they likely to stay on board into the future? Or are these tenants or customers that are already, you know, one foot out the door? That's something to watch out for. Something else I would really watch out for is does this business belong into a greater sector that's on the rise? In other words, is this a growing sector or is this a contracting sector? Obviously, you prefer an expanding sector over a contracting sector for fairly obvious reasons. There's a Warren Buffett quote, and I'm gonna completely mess it up, but I'll, I'll definitely get the, the, the essence out. It basically says, when an incredible entrepreneur comes up to an industry that's failing, the failing industry always wins. And obviously, what he's saying here is, look, you could be the best entrepreneur, the best business person on the planet, but if you get into the wrong industry, if you get into the wrong business, it's not really gonna matter. You know, one person can't change the entire landscape of a whole sector. Think of Blockbuster, right? You could have been the best you know, manager of Blockbuster ever, but Blockbuster was a dying breed. The world was going digital, people wanted to consume movies and TV you know, digitally you know, on a cloud, and that's why you know, now we have Netflix. Right, so even the best entrepreneur in the world would not have been able to save, in my opinion, Blockbuster. So you wanna watch out for sectors that are on the decline, and of course you'd rather be in a sector that's on the rise, but that's something you really should have analyzed before you enter due diligence. However, something that you really wanna get even more in tune with once you enter due diligence are the microeconomics, which I believe by and large are more important than the macroeconomics, especially if you've done your general analysis of the industry as a whole. But what I mean by microeconomics is 
is this local metro, this metropolitan, this local population of people that your business is located in, is this a growing metro? Is this a shrinking metro? Is this a metro that has an increasing demand for the product or service that this company you're thinking about buying provides to the marketplace? How many other local competitors are there in the marketplace? Are they thriving? Are they somewhat not keeping their eye on the ball, meaning they're struggling? You wanna get a real clear sense of the microeconomics where your business or real estate is, is located, right? If there's 10 other competitors and they're all super, super, super high performance, do you really wanna enter that marketplace? Maybe, depending on your competence as an operator, but maybe not. Right, so you really need to get a, a true understanding of the microeconomics because you could be in the best sector, the business could look great on paper, but if you're in a city that's about to die, that's gonna turn into a ghost town, again, similar to that Warren Buffett idea that we talked about a minute ago, you could be the best entrepreneur in the world. If the town's going towards a ghost town, you're not gonna be able to save it. Right, so these are things that we look for in due diligence. We also wanna see if the employees are happy. Is there, is there a good culture? Is there a good culture in this business that we're looking to buy? A great culture is everything in my estimation because this means the employees come happy, everyone's tap dancing to work in the morning, whereas in the opposite case, if it's a very bad culture and people hate their job and they're stealing or they're talking poorly on the management and they don't like coming up to work, do you really wanna get involved in that kind of a business? We don't, certainly we avoid that kind of a thing. Right, so these are all things you're looking for. I'd also take a real strong inventory on the online presence or lack thereof that the business or real estate you're thinking of buying has. Notably, let's talk about the fact that does this business have great reviews or does this business have fairly scary reviews? Great reviews will just mean business keeps on coming. People type in, say for us, we're, we're entering the plumbing sector, they type in plumbing and, and say, we're not in Charleston, South Carolina, but if we were, if we bought a plumbing business in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, plumbing companies in Charleston and the company that we look to buy is first on the Google search and it has five-star reviews everywhere, that's huge. But of course, if we were looking to buy a business in Charleston, South Carolina, and the business we were looking at had one and two-star reviews, that's obviously a terrible thing, something that does not add any value whatsoever. So this is another thing I'd look for. But ultimately, rely on your lawyers, your accountants, your industry experts, rely on the professionals. And if you do, and if you keep these things we've discussed in this video in mind, you most likely will be able to spot a rotten egg. And here's one last one I'll share with you. If your instincts, if your spidey sense, if you will, says no, believe in it. That's what we did with this recent business. I actually shared a video here on YouTube and as well as on LinkedIn, depending on where you're watching this, I shared a video about a week and a half ago saying, hey, we entered into contract. Well, we've pulled out a contract for that business. Why? Because while of course the operator was so deeply involved in operations that he was essentially acting as the transmission for the business and without that transmission, the vehicle wouldn't even move, same with the business, my spidey sense also told me, do you know what, this is not the right business to enter. And so if you get that bad feeling, my estimation and my belief is believe it, trust it, trust it, trust it, trust it. Buyer beware, right? Before you sign on dotted lines, before you fundraise equity, before you put your own money into a deal, before you basically bet the farm on a business, you wanna be super confident that it's a great business. And I'll leave you on that note. Except for so as to say, one, if you've liked this video, thumbs it up. 
Two, if you haven't yet, follow me on Instagram at Jason Paul Rogers. And lastly, go to my website, jasonpaulrogers.com. We just put together a really, really, really powerful free training. It's gonna show you exactly the steps I followed that you can follow, that others are following successfully to buy seven-figure businesses. So go to jasonpaulrogers.com and you can get free access to this course. And I know a lot of people promote free stuff and oh yeah, free this, free that. This is a seriously powerful course. You definitely don't wanna miss out. So go to jasonpaulrogers.com. I'll see you there. Yeah.